Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. I am pumped to have Matt Raglan on the show this week. He is a partner and a creative focused agency called Good People Digital. And the reason I want to have Matt on is he does a ton of remixing around newsletters and creating newsletter content out of existing content. So being able to repurpose remix and have all those things. And the agency works on those through a service called Automatic Evergreen. And if you're interested in having Matt or his team work on any of the things we talk about, definitely check out his services. You can do that at yourweekly.email. But uh, Matt, awesome to have you on the show. Justin, pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about what uh, you said I thought was really good of remixing content, not just repurposing. We talk about repurposing elements, but remixing content into newsletters. That's what we do. And newsletters have really been the biggest part of my career for almost a decade now, which is is pretty wild. I love that. So I think that's a perfect place to start because I think sometimes, uh, I know I get this question a lot is like, what's the difference between remixing, repurposing, you know, re whatever, fill in the blank. So I'm curious, what's your take on the remixing versus repurposing and how do you think about those things? Sure. Some people will hear my explanation and think that we're just splitting hairs on this. But to me, when I think of repurposing, it's often taking with very little change, like the original content and then repurposing it into another channel platform or method of delivery. So probably one of the most uh, popular ways to do this is if you make a YouTube video, or even if you have a podcast, you pull the transcript from that video or from that you from that podcast, and you repurpose with little to no editing, of course, take out timestamp stuff like that. But that gets repurposed into maybe not a newsletter, but often a blog post, 
that's what I often think of when it comes to repurposing. And we were talking about this before we went live, but to me, repurposing across different platforms and channels and mediums is better than doing nothing, but it's not much better (laughs) than not doing anything about it. And the reason is because you can do much more like in-depth repurposing, like you can take the transcript and really use that, or you could take the overall concept of the video and turn that into a newsletter. That's a more expansive, more in-depth way of repurposing a one-to-one piece of content. And that is something we do is, you know, really in-depth like expansion. But I think of it more as remixing because what I do and what my company does in remixing creator content is often we'll look at it from a much bigger perspective because I want you to think about like, what are the core categories or concepts or themes, topics that you talk about on your show? Anyone listening, if you have a non-newsletter channel that you work on, think about those ideal topics. Like for me, when I was building my YouTube channel around productivity content, I would have and did say, well, my core categories are goal setting, time management, brainstorming, like idea systems, those sorts of like core categories that I would bucket my content into. Now, if that's the case, okay, I have 10 videos about time management, I have 20 videos about goal setting or like planning the week, planning the year, planning the month, planning the quarter, blah, 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 blah. And those were my core categories. So what my team, this is like the first, I was the first customer (laughs) for automatic evergreen because I'm like, okay, I'm working on the agency now. I don't have as much time right now to work on the newsletter. But what we can do here, team, take these 10 videos I have about time management. I want you to find the best frameworks, the best parts of these videos, these podcasts, the really great stuff, regardless of which episode or which video it was in. So we'd create these content libraries, these archives of my content And then you use that as the source material you remix and repurpose together to then say like, okay, now I'm going to have a brand new, relatively brand new newsletter that's going to have different elements from multiple videos. And that's how I'm going to feed my newsletter. So right now I have two newsletters that go. One of them is almost entirely written by my team through this automatic evergreen method. And then I still have like my own personal like weekend best stuff that I found, some of that like things that are unique. I read it on Saturday. Yeah, yeah thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. So to me, that's the difference between remixing and repurposing. Repurposing is often a one-to-one, and it does take a lot of work. Not as much as doing it completely original for the first time, but it does take work to take something that was a YouTube video or a podcast and turn it into a newsletter or a blog post. But that's a one-to-one more like classical repurposing. The remixing is taking the body of work around different core categories, saying, if I just took this for what it is, regardless of what video or podcast or even like old blog posts or ebooks, we work with a bunch of authors. And you you could just say like, hey, here's my book, let's turn this into like a long, 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 long newsletter series. But instead, we're going to say like, okay, what are the core themes that you're talking about in this book? 
okay, let's look at where these things are present in the book. And now we're going to turn that into uh, newsletter content. So that's remixing versus repurposing. Yeah, love that. Love that. And again, there's nuance there. I think the, the exact same way. There's a difference between just straight trying to copy and paste or just trying to take something that's in one format and jam it into another. And even uh, like an interview like this, for instance, like, sure, you could take this interview and roughly create a blog or something out of it. But I think there's that nuance and that process to be able to, like you said, pull the frameworks out, pull the ideas out and add the nuance to it. Right, exactly. And even if I was like, we can get really meta on this, if you know, you worked with us and we were using this or any of your other shows. And you for a podcast, the cool thing about a podcast, you can approach your repurposing. You can go one-to-one. You can even go the remixing style and say, like, what are the best lessons about, again, like your core categories that people are sharing? So mine could be about newsletters. Are you talking to anyone else about newsletters? Here's the top newsletter. One newsletter about newsletters, little meta could be like, here's what the top experts are saying about newsletters. So it's me, it's like other people that are in the newsletter space. You could also just go again, like one to one. And if we were working together, it would be you could spend especially on a podcast, it's a 30 to 60 minute podcast, you can get at least two newsletters, if not three or four, you get a whole month, whole month of map could be coming at you. And one, this is where the one to one comes in, you could say, the topic of one newsletter, we could look at and say, like, Here's what Matt Ragland has to say. The difference between remixing and repurposing is a subject line. And everything that I've talked about for the last five to seven minutes, that's one self-contained story or framework that then goes into the weekly newsletter. And that's a more, to me, I said, classical repurposing. But there's still, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Gary Vee was big on this early on. It really stuck with me. Is like, even if you're doing a one-to-one repurposing, then there is nuance and context and style that is effective and contextual for each different medium and platform. And so that's also what we do is say like, hey, this is what it sounds like on a podcast, or this is what it looks like on a YouTube video, but this is how it's going to come across best as a newsletter. And same thing, like if you were to turn that into a Twitter thread or a LinkedIn post, there are contextual platform specific methods for the repurposing, which I'm sure like your longtime listeners are very, very familiar with. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, I, it's funny because like that is how I think about the content that I do. So just so you know, like for me, I use the show as the base and then pull out those frameworks, a core idea, whatever, remix it into a weekly newsletter that goes out, then that gets remixed into LinkedIn content, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I set up the framework for a, a lot of my content strategy using, like you said, and I think it's super smart using themes, using those core things to keep those guardrails to keep you on track as far as what you're doing. I'm interested too, like for the people who don't have a show, who aren't doing a podcast, what are the ways that they could think about doing this or pulling out, starting with some audio, going into video or audio, video, et cetera, and being able to pull that out without saying, well, I'm a YouTuber or I have a podcast. Starting with short form, whether it's video or even something like a Twitter thread, you can think of every piece of content as a piece of a puzzle. And the puzzle piece strategy is to think of something that's really like small and micro. Let's just say even one tweet. One tweet can go viral, certainly. It can also get you enough 
traction or responses or views or bookmarks that you just kind of look at it and know there's something here. James Clear does this very effectively. He talked about this in an interview on every dot to every, the every publication, if you're familiar with it, with Dan Shipper, shout out to Dan. And he talked about using Twitter as his idea lab. So basically what James was doing is he would write a tweet and he'd see how that tweet would go. And maybe it didn't go as well. And he thought there's something here, tweak, try again. When he saw a tweet that did well enough, he's like, ooh, maybe I could write a thread about this. So it went from tweet to thread. And then once it was a thread, like maybe I could write an email newsletter about this. So now it becomes a newsletter. So you just like you can start pretty big in the macro with a longer show or YouTube channel and niche it, not niche it, but narrow it all the way down to now this is a tweet about the thing. (laughs) This is a thread about the thing. You can go up the other way as well and just keep firing off as many tweets or Instagram reels or TikTok videos or LinkedIn posts until you see, ah, this is something that I've gotten some momentum on. And the other like quick caveat I'll say about that is it's a big risk long term to only rely on things that other people validate through views and clicks. Mm. You still want to know what those things are, but you should, and maybe this is another like little tangent of a conversation, but if you are going through this, so Justin, you are the expert, like you know what will work here. And just because you're trying to say something important that you know is true, that doesn't resonate right away, it's not necessarily that it's wrong, it's probably that it just needs to be said a lot more and or you need to say it in a different way. And that's a lesson that I've learned the hard way, sometimes several times. But that like going, you can start in the macro with the podcast, you know, long form podcast, all the way down to a tweet or a thread. You can also start with the tweet or thread and continue to move that up. Like for James, after it's a newsletter, it's maybe it's a blog post. He doesn't do as many blog posts now. But when the topic Atomic Habits was being written, you can see some of these concepts like they live on the internet in real time. It's like yeah. tweet about this study, now a longer thread about this study, blog post about this study, this blog post, then 75% of it is now a chapter in Atomic Habits. The Is it the best selling nonfiction book of all time at this point? So you can see like that lives on the internet in real time seeing this progression. And so just like you can repurpose from big to small, you can also start small and continue to like iterate and repurpose up to the big thing. Yeah, I actually I did a newsletter about that based on my experience doing this. So in December, I had a tweet or I had a LinkedIn post that was probably one of my best LinkedIn posts of the year. It was like, if I were starting a content strategy in 2023, here's what I do, seven steps, da, 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 da. And it took off. And I was like, oh, there's some validation that needs to be explored more. You know, obviously the it's it's the signal from the audience that this is interesting. And so I turned that into a newsletter and then eventually turned that newsletter into a podcast episode and just kept building and building and building exactly like what you're saying. That is a smart way to do it with the validation. I'm curious from your standpoint though, like what what's a story, what's a time where you either were thinking on that validation one way or the other and it didn't hit the way you thought or you maybe pivoted too early? Right. Well, the biggest example for me is how my YouTube channel grew, where I made about 60 videos in 2018, and none of them made it over a 1,000 views. I think my biggest, my most viewed 
video is maybe like 800, 800, 900 views. But that video was about how to have a productive week using the bullet journal. So we're going to go over both like sides of the spectrum here. And New Year was coming up. I said, I'm going to make a video about how to like plan your year in the bullet journal. Shout out to the bullet journal. I made that video and I thought maybe this video will help me get to a thousand subscribers eventually. And maybe it'll be my first thousand view video. That would be cool. And at the time, I think I had 650 subscribers and that video hit a thousand views in like four hours. And I had, keep in mind, 60 videos, none over a thousand. And then I had like a thousand new subscribers within a few days. And that's like great validation, <laughs> especially because at that point I had done obviously enough videos to see that like this spike in the timeline was real. It's not like, and you know, there's nothing wrong with this either. It's not like I just made a few and one like hit pretty hard. It's like, oh, okay, I guess. Like I knew that this was something that could resonate. And also I had the prior video that had been my best video before. Now this one was really taking off because of timing. A couple other factors I realized in retrospect. And the way that I continued to make videos literally the entire year was to just see what kind of comments were coming in on my videos and just made new videos related to those comments. And then I would think, oh, well, they should probably know about this as well. So they weren't all comment driven, but the majority of those videos, especially the three that I published right after the like how to plan your year, all three of those all did great. So it took me 60 videos, basically 65 videos and 11 months to get to a thousand subscribers. And then it took me like 15 more videos and six months to get to 10,000 subscribers just doing that thing. But wait, there's more because this is where <laughs> it starts to like turn the other direction. Not necessarily, mm. not necessarily just then, but I got so in to the bullet journal like community and productivity that when I hit the point of I don't really want to talk about the bullet journal anymore. I feel like I've said everything that I need to say about it. And same thing with productivity. There's also a weird thing for me. I'm only going to say it for me about bringing a productivity person on the internet is when your whole thing about being productive is like you have to be productive to show people how to be productive. And I didn't really feel like I was doing any real work. I was like, well, maybe I can think up a new acronym this month and that's going to take off. What's my para method? <laughs> and I just couldn't do it anymore. And maybe it'll come back or I'll just use it occasionally. But this is because I was so tied up in the validation of the bullet journal and productivity content, because it even got to a point where like, if I would talk about general productivity stuff, they'd be like, No, we want the bullet journal layout. Mm. I'm like, it's the same <laughs> thing that I did last month that's kind of the point like, it's boring for you it was you boring for creator. me it wasn't boring yeah. for them it, yeah. but it got very boring for me and i also see like other bullet journal creators and i just wasn't interested in doing like here are the pens that i got mm. i use the same pen <laughs> <laughs> i've used the same pen for seven years <laughs> you're that the pen video guy at that point <laughs> that guy's great <laughs> more power to him was it is it Goulet Brian Goulet I think it is which always makes me think of the SNL Will Ferrell sketch and like yes here's my pen 
it's really nice. What are you doing here? So I, I, I just couldn't do it. But that's like kind of the downside of it. And that's why I say, if you have something to say, I would always remind people because this was something that I didn't do as well as like, if you have something to say that you think is important, even if it's not hitting, you have to keep protecting time and creative energy to say the thing that's important to you. And two people that I think do this really well, one is my friend Nat Eliason. Nat has a great post on his blog called You Are Not a Niche. I read that like two years ago and I was like, damn. And that was, sorry for the cursing. And I was like, and that was kind of the beginning of the end <laughs> for me when it came to productivity. Another one who's really good, and she does this more from, I think, like branding perspective, but Sarah Dietschy rhymes with peachy. She does an excellent job. She's got a bunch of videos up where she's explaining her concept of one for me, one for you. And that's more on a sponsored video thing. But I wish I would have stayed a little closer to that just in terms of like, hey, this is just a video that I want to make. Because all the like early videos that I made that first year were just videos that I wanted to make. And then I started making bullet journal videos. One, because it is super fun to get a lot of subscribers really quickly. It feels awesome. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with that. And if you keep getting lots of subscribers, that probably would have kept feeling awesome. <laughs> but do you like it enough that you can make it through the valleys of like, hey, it's just not hitting very much right now. So Sarah and Nat both have really good stuff. Another good person that I read a similar story on this about recently is Rob Hardy, who runs a site called Ungated Creative. I forget the name of the post itself, but it's basically like his story of burnout, of like going deep down the niche and being like, what am I doing here? I don't want to be here anymore. So I don't know how much that has to do with repurposing, but you have to pay attention and keep protecting time for the things that matter to you and you think are important to say. Yeah. And I, I do love that too, though. Like I get asked that all the time too, as somebody who used to work at a company and ran messaging and content for a company, and now I'm running my own thing. Like, how do you figure out what to talk about? How do you figure out what to, you know, how did you stumble upon like content repurposing and distribute? Like, why do you talk about that? And it's, for me, it was finding something that I was passionate about, but also had some level of like experience in to where the story was real and where there was feeling there and emotion where it was like, I was actually passionate about making that change for people, you know, like the things you talk about, wherever that ebbs and flows, it usually ebbs and flows for me anyway, ebbs and flows with some level of passion or some level of if I don't say this, it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> so I think like, it's easier maybe for a solo creator or a, you know, a smaller brand, but even for bigger brands, it's like, what's that stake in the ground that you're going to take as a company and that you have to get that message out? What's that transformation that you're looking to drive with within your audience? Hard pivot, because I do want to make sure we touch on this area because I know, I know you, you talk a lot about it. I'm, I'm curious the process for repurpose, remixing, I'll say, I won't even say repurposing, but really remixing a video, remixing an interview, remixing a podcast. What are those things that you're looking for as you're going through? Because it's so easy just to like get bogged down with, I've got the, you know, it's easier than ever to get a transcript for these things. It's easier than ever to pull quote unquote content out of these. But what are the things you're looking at when you've got this video, you've got this transcript, it might as well be a blank screen because I don't know what the heck to do with it. Right. 
So I have two resources that I'm going to share with you on this. And one is an internal Loom video that I share with our team. So, and you listening, go watch it because it's me watching a video and like continuing to pause it. (laughs) I mean, like, this is the part. Or because he said this, it's going to look like this in the email. And to me, to be honest, I'm still to trying to synthesize and systematize these things that feel like I just have a knack for because of the time I've spent doing this. But what I am really looking for is like, what is the core story or takeaway of this clip? of this video of this podcast. Now, to be honest, a lot of times the creator will tell you that in the title, (laughs) especially in YouTube videos. YouTube videos usually are just trying to get one idea across because most of them are 10-ish minutes, let's say. There are some great video creators out there now that are doing more like video essays that are like 20, 25 minutes long. Dodford, I think is how you... Uh, say Dodford is great. I've shared a couple of his videos. His Donald Glover one is great. I, which a little aside, I'm not old, but I'm also not young. I feel I'm you, man. very middle age. And I told my 23 year old content manager that I really liked the Donald Glover video. And he stared at me like he just couldn't believe that I even knew who Donald Glover was. I was like, yeah, the childish Gambino. And he like almost fell out of his chair that he even knew that they were that I knew they were the same person. So I digress, but Dodford's great. (laughs) And what I'm looking for is that core idea. And then I'm thinking about because in podcasts and in videos, the way that people talk is different than how I would write a newsletter. It's not that different. And you want to preserve people's style. But even a conversational newsletter is nowhere near as conversational as a podcast con an actual conversation is. (laughs) And so that's what I'm trying to do is identify the core message, the keys to that core message. And I'm treating them in one core, I think of it like one core message, three key takeaways. And then usually in each of those three key takeaways, there's two to three sentences for each one. So I'll share that video with you. The other one that I'll share is I did, I want to be clear, he's not a client yet manifesting, but I really want to do a newsletter for Jocko Willing. Mm. Uh, Some other people also, but I wrote a sample for Jocko and put it on the interwebs for him on Twitter. I saw that. I wondered if I was like, man, you're writing for Jocko? Good for you, but you're manifesting that. Okay, I, 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 I can appreciate that. But I share this in the chat. Yeah, There's please a couple, do. Uh, and I think the original is below. Awesome. And I'll, I'll put these in the notes for anybody who's listening afterwards. Yeah, so this one is, you can take a transcript and you can even now give that transcript to ChatGPT and say, turn this into a newsletter. And it will do that. And it's not bad. <laughs> but if you look at these samples that I shared you'll clearly see which one was curated and edited by a human. And that is like, will AI continue to get better? Yes. But in knowing the audience until like 
large-scale language learning models become more accessible and programmable for regular folks like us, then having the internalized understanding of this is who I'm talking to and this is who I'm talking on behalf of, that's what I'm looking at. Like, what's the core idea? What are the three key takeaways? And then how am I turning that into a newsletter that's different than them just chatting it up on the pod? Yeah. Love that. And for anybody, just so everybody's listening, what we're talking through is a tweet that Matt had, and there's three different AI tools plus something that he wrote. And there's an example of each. It's really interesting. I'll link it to in the description. And I'd be curious to have you all go check that out and see which one, if you could tell which one it is. Um, But I agree with you, Matt. I think it's pretty easy to see which one was the one that was, because I remember seeing this when you originally posted it a while ago. And I just had somebody on, we were talking about AI a couple of weeks ago. And I think the balance with using AI to me is using it more right now anyway, is using it as like an assistant. Yes. That's how I kind of think about using it, right? Like being able to quickly pull out those main ideas, you know, maybe yeah. it's saying, hey, like, what are the best takeaways out of this? Mm-hmm. And so you're not having to like necessarily scan them all instantly, but they can give you a good jump start on that. Yeah. But I do think there's something that's still... I don't know. I started as a writer. Like that was the, sure. the base of like in college. It was like, yeah, it's hard not to be romantic. You about know, writing. it's like, yeah, sure. it's like, I don't know. There's just something that's like nice about like sitting down and writing that piece mm. and feeling like you wrote it and, and that it was there. I don't know. Again, I'm like you, I'm well into my like middle age years, unfortunately. So it's <laughs> like, maybe I'm in that, uh, going into that stage of get off my lawn life. Uh, I try not to, but <laughs> I feel like I'm getting there a little bit, but yeah, I love that. I think that's such a good way to think about it. And again, just that base to rehash it. What's that core idea? Three takeaways that you can pull away. Like that's even a good starting point for original content too. Like, right. you know, just to have something to, to go off of. Yeah. So once you have a core concept or a framework that you can apply, you can apply that to anything, as you were saying. So just think about what's the idea that I want. We even talk about this with the people that we create courses with. And so if like you're developing a newsletter, you have a newsletter, we're sending it, we're working with you on this. Oftentimes, we will then play that into a course. And so like a version of this for a course is think about not that we're going to go like all in, we can, we do sometimes, not go all in on like this big course production, you've never sold anything before. So we do a iterative launch process. And it starts with we're going to do a one We're going to do a live workshop, hour and a half. And in that live workshop, you need to communicate one core idea or outcome for, for example, when I was doing this, again, for myself as a test case is like, here's how to have the most productive week ever. Okay, that's the one core idea. That's the outcome. And then what are the three steps to achieve this? Okay, we're going to plan it out using, we're going to plan it out through a brainstorm. We're going to schedule all of those things in our time blocks, and we're going to have an effective review system so we can continue to do this. So this is those three takeaways. Now, what are the three action items that allow you to achieve each of these three key steps? Okay, great. And then we're going to have like one brief Q&A at the end. So this was a thing I called the one three three one method, which is one big idea, three core lessons, three key takeaways to each core lesson, and then a bit, one bit of Q&A at the end to answer any questions. So that's, you can use that 
for I'm stealing it. I love yeah, it. You can steal it. You can use that also just for like it works for just regular content as well. Core idea, three key lessons. This would be longer form than a newsletter in most cases, but you could also look at it and say, let's break this down even further. If you're looking at spending a month on this, then the first email is all about setting it up, setting up the core idea. And then the next three emails are just about what are each of those three lessons and the three key takeaways for each one. And then at the end of each of those emails, you say, hey, just send me a quick email if you have any questions that gets plugged in. Or you could run that live workshop at the end of the month, charge for it, and you're cash flowing. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind too is like knowing where you're heading in that, it's okay, we're gonna do this Maybe you do a Q&A webinar with your audience and you're able to then pull those questions out and that becomes that Q&A section within your newsletter frame or you're asking folks on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever you're at, like same, like, hey, what questions do you have about this, this, and this? You're able to pull those and curate those into that knowing that's your list. I love the way you frame that out and being able to take because again, that is remixing. Right. That, that to me is like yep. the perfect way to formulate a content strategy around one core idea. You could have a course and then that course could become seven weeks of an email series, which could then become multiple weeks of distributed Twitter threads and LinkedIn posts. And that to me is really content creation on easy mode. Having that sort of framework in place to where so many people I talk to, whether it's companies, individual creators, what like they literally are just on a hamster wheel because they feel like they constantly have to come up with new ideas, new processes, new frameworks, new things. Everything's got to be new. And to me, it sounds like you've got it kind of figured out in the way you're you're just talking about it, where it's like second nature for some of these things. But I, I do like that a lot. Yeah, I appreciate that. I've, I mean, I've been really fortunate. I said this has been really the defining work of my career for the past decade, if not more. I think I published my first blog post in 2011, maybe 2010. I started my first email list in 2012 on AWeber <laughs> and then MailChimp. And I've been on ConvertKit since 2015. I was employee number five at ConvertKit as well, which is really fun and still have good relationships with everyone in that team. But yeah, when I started at ConvertKit, we had less than 500 customers. And when I left three and a half years later to join Podio, which is a course and product platform, we had over 10,000 paying customers. And I, I don't know how many they have now because they introduced the free plan, but it's I mean, tens of thousands of customers, paying customers. And ever since then, I've still been very involved in sending my own newsletter and uh, operating and developing newsletters for other top creators. I love that. So for anybody who's thinking about starting a newsletter, your team convert kit, right? Like that's where we're sending them, hey? I am. Not just because I think it's the best balance of power and simplicity in an email platform, what they're doing with their ad network and now the ConvertKit creator network where it's basically an, in, an in-house and in-app referral program. I'm very bullish, even more so, in what they're doing, going to their conference in a couple of weeks. Other platforms, if you're thinking about ConvertKit versus something like ActiveCampaign or Drip, I'd say just please go to ConvertKit. Please. <laughs> Save yourself 
unless you just enjoy being super in the weeds with like every little thing. But if you just want to like create and have automations that will work and not be like a rat's nest of triggers that you're trying to decode later on in life, go with ConvertKit. I will say like on the part of like Substack and Beehive, if you don't have any need for now to do anything with an automation, then sure, start with Substack or Beehive, I guess. But I'd say like, really, if all you want to do is just send a weekly newsletter and have no backend automation, then sure, you can do that. But the fees get up there. I would just say that. Yeah, I think part of it too is like knowing what you want to do early enough to where like if you do want to eventually do those automations and do it like the change cost Mm -hmm. to then move everything or try to figure that like just spend the time (laughs) pick your platform whether it's convertkit whether i do love what convertkit is doing especially now they have a free plan all that good stuff like you said like you can get started for free you don't even have to put a bunch of money in to be able to do this especially if you're just getting started and want to figure out what it's like to build out a newsletter so Matt, this has been super fun. We are quickly approaching 40 minutes, which I always I always in my head say like, yeah, a 25-minute conversation. Right. And they always go longer, but uh, this has been super fun. I'm not a person that will go like short <laughs> I know, on a I'm conversation. Not, I, I'm not either. So uh, I knew I knew as soon as even even before we I hit recording, I was 40 minutes. Like, yeah, and we like it's a nice it's a nice wrap up. Like, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It was perfect. But I think for me, uh, I do want to I, obviously like thanks again for coming on, Matt. It was awesome to have you have you chat through the newsletter stuff. I think if you are interested in newsletters at all, like go follow Matt. Like he's so smart on what he's doing. How to, he gives away so much stuff for free and how to get started like i feel like every day when i'm on twitter his stuff comes up and i'm just like oh like that's a that's a great great piece of insight same with his newsletter and honestly like free plug map but like yeah if you want to get started on these things but don't want to do it right go check out Matt's stuff like he's got even great content on like you said like the breakdown of how to do this what you're thinking about when you're going through it lots of examples too like on your automatic evergreen page like I was just looking through that the other day in terms of like you've got those examples of like the Jacko page and, and different things for how to turn that so even if you're just curious on like how somebody else might turn a YouTube video into a newsletter, go check out Matt's content and maybe even try to reverse engineer what he's got going on over there. I know that's what I was doing (laughs) earlier this week. So awesome, Matt. Thanks for the links. I'll make sure to share them out. And it's been super fun. Happy to have you on, man. Yeah, Justin, thanks so much. It was a pleasure for me. You asked great questions. I'm thrilled to be a guest. And yeah, we'll be in touch. And thanks everyone for listening. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are gonna help you build your brand, 10X your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.